Off a high screen, Dorian kicked to the corner, Feirano for three. It's good with the foul! And back to throw is the quarterback, and Hayward is sacked by Joey Porter. Page takes it in, scores. J.D. Page. Boy, Stevens lets it go, and there's your touchdown. Michael Gallup. Got it down low, Hornung, dunk! And here come the students. Leading by 10, here's Van Pelt. He's at the five, touchdown Colorado State. What's up, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Woo! Feels good to say that. Feels good to know that sports betting finally legal right here in Colorado. When sports inevitably do, you know, come back with a great return, we are going to be able, you know, to place some bets. It's going to be amazing. So stoked about that. So stoked to place, you know, individual game bets. Wake up on a you know, a NFL Sunday and it's a random game between the Raiders and Titans or something. And, oh, you know, I like that line. I'll, I'll throw five bucks on it or whatever. And just know that you can use a reliable site and not have to go to one of those crappy offshore places where you have to, you know, do a minimum deposit and wait weeks to get your return and hopefully don't get your identity stolen and all that crap. Don't have to worry about any of that. DraftKings Sportsbook, so smooth, so convenient. Uh, but I'm also really really just excited about this podcast. It was a a great interview with a good friend of mine, Brandon Goble of Juco Advocate. If you're not familiar with Juco Advocate, also now owns Verbal Commits, uh, one of the really just growing institutions, uh, organizations in college basketball. They do amazing work helping players from all over the world get placed and, and, you know, further their education, further their basketball careers. It's, it's just really inspiring. I mean, you see, yeah, I mean, we talk about it a lot in the podcast, so I don't want to spoil it too much, but just the amount of work that these guys do for some of these players behind the scenes, making sure that, you know, they can, they can clear. It's, it's incredible. They just, they genuinely care about the well being of these student athletes and it's really amazing. So I've, uh, I've been fortunate to develop a little bit of a relationship with Brandon over the years, uh, fortunate to call him a friend, and I just I thought it would be good to get him on the podcast, get his perspective on CSU basketball, the future of the program, uh, because he is a CSU alum, so he obviously pays close attention, picked his brain about the Mountain West a little bit, some of the teams that you know you should keep an eye on next year, but also you know we kind of just talked about the work that he's doing. Uh, the stuff with the image and likeness and the NCAA, the one-year waiver process, all of that. We really took a deep dive into all things college basketball, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So before we jump into that, I got to do a quick shout-out for the sponsor, but after that, we will be back with Brandon Goble of Juco Advocate. The wait is finally over. DraftKings is the official betting partner of DNVR, and they are bringing legal sports betting right here to Colorado. Before you know it, sports will be back and it will be way more fun when you have a little bit of skin in the game. The best way to get in on the action is with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. This isn't some offshore operation like, I don't know, other gambling sites. DraftKings is a legitimate sportsbook based right here in the U.S., so you can be confident that your funds are secure. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can bet wherever, whenever. You don't even have to leave your house. There are sports bets futures you can make right now, free survivor pool bets on TV shows like Chopped and Shark Tank. Heck, you can even bet on the weather if you're really jonesing for it. That's a tough bet in Colorado, but hey, they give you the option. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get up a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. Don't forget, enter the code DNVR and get your sign-up bonus of up to $1,000 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call one 800 522 4,700. All right, joining me today is a good friend of mine, Brandon Goble. 
didn't call him gobble don't call him gobble that's a turkey how you doing brandon what's up buddy brandon is juco advocate on twitter it's so weird to like associate like brands with people but like right i mean that is you i know there's other people involved in the company but are are you to the point now where people are like meeting you and being like hey you're the juco advocate guy yeah absolutely like the final four is so funny because when we go uh now now we have a you know we have a relationship with so many coaches i mean there's there's not hardly anybody in in college basketball especially at the division one level that we don't talk to now and uh and then at the junior college level um where it's like you know ken deweese is always the advocate i'm like all right easy (laughs) i like it though it's some it's some like pizzazz behind it right the advocate you need like (laughs) a commercial with a jingle and everything for sure i mean it's it's been interesting because uh you know there's so many things that we do now um so you know obviously we've got juco advocate there uh we've got verbal commits uh, which i'm sure a lot of listeners if they pay attention to college basketball know what that is uh on twitter and, and follow that so that's one of our brands um we've got a podcast that we that we started doing uh the live period uh which has been great um you really know, great. A lot of definitely fun check that. that out um we appreciate it we've had we've had a lot of fun with that um and and then you know a lot of the international stuff we do uh we're a nonprofit company that uh spends a lot of our time traveling around the world and, and running nonprofit uh, free camps for kids in third world countries uh, and helping them get to college. So some of those kids have started to, uh, from, from our initial time of starting to do that are now going on to, you know, finishing junior college, moving on to, to uh, four-year schools and things like that. So that's been a lot of fun uh, to do. The international stuff is, is really impressive to me. I mean, I don't think the average listener understands like just how many like hoops and stuff that a lot of these kids have to jump through. I mean, even to get in the country, but some of the academic stuff they have to jump through the weird NCAA hurdles. I mean, how many hours a week are you just like on the phone trying to deal with like government diplomats and stuff like that? I mean, I'm probably two, three hours a day, every day um, doing something, you know, with the international kids, my WhatsApp is, is bonkers. Like it's in nine different languages and and using Google Translator to deal with, you know, kids in India and I'm texting with them in Hindi and then, you know, kids in Tanzania and texting with them in Swahili. And, and um, you know, it's just, it, it, it's, it's very much not like, I want to go to college, I have a scholarship done, right? Like there's, there's so many things. I mean, sometimes it takes us up to a year to like get everything done right? The, the paperwork, the visa process. I mean, Gideon George, who played at New Mexico Junior College this year from our Nigeria camp is going to BYU. When we brought him over here, uh, he got denied at the embassy twice with us, uh, but I think six or seven times total, you know, wow. over the years, like uh, trying to get a visa. And, and so that process is very, um, it's complicated. Um, there's, there's just so many different things that go into it. There's so many competing interests from people, the bad guys that are out there trying to, you know, insert themselves into these situations and, and the state department and how they feel about visas and immigration. And, you know, obviously such a hot button topic right now. Definitely. Uh, with things. So, um, it's unfortunately getting harder, um, than easier right now. So, you know, we'll see. You know, you mentioned the bad guys and that's one of the things that, I mean, one of the many things that I admire about the work that you guys are doing, but if you follow, guys like Brandon on Twitter pretty frequently, you know, I see you calling out some of these like scam artists guys that are taking cash from people and claiming they have connections and, and, you know, claiming they're going to get these guys to the next level. Is, is that a lot more prevalent than, than people realize? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's, and there's so many different aspects to it too, that I think you're just kind of casual observer doesn't, doesn't recognize. Um, where you have people on social media saying, you know, send me $200 and I'll get you scholarship offers. Right. Um, there are some that actually like get the job done, but it's basically just charging kids and then randomly DMing coaches or something. Right. There's no, there's no like, um, actual relationship behind it or anything. Some of them are completely fake. Uh, you know, they just run off with the money and then change their Twitter handle and block everybody and then move on to the next, um, you know, the next mark for them. Um, there's fake schools that pop up now, which I'm sure you've probably seen that before where we're like, Hey, this isn't a school <laughs> and That's kids are so committing and signing LOIs. Right. Like, like there was, there was one in Georgia 
Um, and the guy is still kind of on the run. And, and if you can kind of follow the breadcrumbs he leaves when he changes his name and stuff, you can see that he's like posting pictures like, oh, I'm in Canada now. I'm in China now. Like trying to because the, the people, the police in Georgia are actually looking for him because he uh, he had a fake school and and he got fake players or real players to sign fake LOIs, you know, they, unfortunately they, they just go after the most vulnerable populations and, and people thought they were moving into the school and they showed up and like, it was a crack den and, Oh my God. And, and then of course he was gone and they, he had taken their $1,500, like, you know, registration fee or something. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so we caught him trying to like set up another school and, and called him out on that. And it was just, it was crazy. And, and so unfortunately, yeah, that stuff is all over the place every day. People, the ease of technology and social media to take advantage of, of people that are desperate. So in your opinion, does the NCAA do enough to combat this stuff? I mean, are they, I I know they got to be aware of it. Is this something that they police or is it just so, I mean, can they stop it? You know, it's tough because when they're at such a high level like that and they have so many other things that they're doing, you know, I guess realistically the expectation that they necessarily have oversight to that um, is almost, is almost impossible to ask. I mean, you need an entire like new department just to like pay attention to some of that stuff where I think they probably could be more supportive is when kids get caught up in things like, you know, some of these things. Mm-hmm. Um and then are still able to somehow like make it to a situation where they're playing in an NCAA school, uh, that they be more forgiving, understanding, uh, all that sort of thing of those situations rather than, you know, oh, you played at some, you know, bogus prep school uh, a year after, you know, you technically should have started and, you know, whatever. So now we're going to charge a year of eligibility. Like, I think, I think there's for sure an opportunity to, um, you know, take each of those scenarios and, and put a little more thought and effort into the, um, you know, the eligibility side of it, you know, the kids that are maybe a credit short of their core because they were at some BS school, you know, sleeping on a garage floor mm-hmm. and it's like, Oh, you're, you've only got 15 core credits as opposed to 16. It's like, well, come on. I mean, you know, some we, common sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, speaking of eligibility, there were some headlines this week because, you know, with the, the NCAA, none of these decisions are official, I should clarify before we jump into it. But it sounds like the NCAA is going to kind of loosen their reins on likeness and, and athletes being able to get sponsorships and stuff like that. But at this point, it looks like they're at least for the time being not going to approve the immediate transfer waiver for the, you know, revenue revenue generating sports. Were, were either of these decisions surprising to you at all? Let's dive into the the transfer one first because I think that's that's probably the most directly impactful from a fan standpoint. Um, you know, as far as like or what people I, I guess notice the most, right, is, is yeah. the transfer stuff. So, um, I'm I'm a little surprised that they've not gone ahead and come out and said this year for sure. Um, you know, a one time waiver just this year. This isn't new legislation. This isn't you know, whatever, um, that, that just for this one year, we're going to go ahead and allow, um, you know, the, the, the transfer in, and I'll, you know, it's, it's because of the coronavirus stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. there's going to be 1500 kids that end up transferring this year. There was 1200 last year. We're going to, we're going to be at 1500 this year. They're going to have so many waiver requests. They're not going to know what to do with them because everybody's going to say, well, I want to transfer closer to home because of the unknown of this like global pandemic, whatever. Okay. Like, how do you tell a kid like, no, you know, you can't, you can't go to a school closer to home in the middle of something that's completely unprecedented. Right. And then on the same token, you're going to have somebody say, well, I'm playing in New York and everybody out here has got the Rona. Like I want to, I want to yeah, transfer. I want to get, get out, you know, whether it's true or not, you know, it, it's, that's what they're, they'll say. And, and that's tough to have, logically go against, you know, like, right. what do you, how would you argue against that? No, like you, you got to stay in this hotbed for the virus. Right. Right. Like, you know, if some kid wants to leave Iona or something and it's like, yo, I, Iona was, was surrounded by national guard for, <laughs> for a period of time. Like, what are you talking about? Um, so, you know, the, the, I'm, I'm surprised they haven't. And I understand like the fallout of that for sure. Like I'm not naive to the idea that, you know, this would create some like serious chaos. Um, 
Definitely. But we're already there. You know, there's there's already all these yeah. kids transferring. And and at the end of the day, if it's something that's what's best for the kid, like that's the side that we're always going to to fall on for that. Um, you know, so so I am surprised that they've not gone ahead and done that. There is still some hope that that that, that will happen. Um, I think on May 20th, uh, I think is kind of their decision point for that. Um, I do think the immediate transfer one-time thing is going to happen for next season when they vote in January. Um, that was the weird thing. Cause that's, that's kind of, it's like, you know, inevitably this is going to happen. There's so much momentum for it. Even coaches. I mean, when I had Medved on, he basically said the exact same thing. It's not if it's when, right. even if they deny it this year. And, and this was before even the, uh, some of the vote or some of those conversations had happened over this past week. And you know, he was like, it's going to happen. So at this right. point, we need to just figure out how we navigate it. And the one thing that he brought up from a coach's perspective is he would like to have some type of deadline, whereas like you transfer between, you know, May and, and July or something. But, you know, come August, right. the coaches kind of have to have an idea of, you know, who's going to be on their roster. And I think I think that would probably be fair to have some type of restriction on it. Do you think like they do you think ultimately that's what they would do? Put some type of restriction just to give the coaches a little more leverage? Yeah, I I mean I think they're I think they're they're going to have to put something there just because otherwise if a kid says in, you know, August, you know, hey, I'm out, um, you know, what is what is that, you know, what does that do to the team? Now, on the same token. I guess if that's what's best for the kid, something happened over the summer, you know, whatever, like that's hard. Yeah. Um, you know, so, uh, and, and I think, I think that's why they pushed everything back to January too, is they have to think about, you know, do we go like Euro soccer transfer window, you mm -hmm. know, thing that happens. Um, probably even more importantly though, is how does APR look within, you know, this new world? That's so, a good point. for example, let's say a, a player transfers from Colorado State, and you know you're still responsible APR wise for like their outcome and you know their their GPA when they transfer and all that sort of thing, and it may be something that you have you know completely no control over. We know there's going to be a ton of poaching that goes on for sure. There already is. Um, yeah, you know, it's not like that's not happening even without the waivers. Right. So when that happens, you know now the schools, especially at the lower and mid major level. Uh, are going to be more susceptible to, um, you know, some of those those poaching transfers and, and stuff with people being immediately eligible. So, you know, you as Colorado State, if you lose a guy, like, why should you be responsible for that kid's APR, you know, situation going forward? Um, and so my hope is that that they are cognizant of that and, and recognize that there's a lot of things that a Colorado state can't control uh, in regards to whether they lose a player or not. So, you know, you're, you're no longer responsible for that APR. And on the same token, if you take a transfer, um, I, I think there needs the best way to probably kind of keep things in the, the realm of reasonability is re reason. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was like the hardest word for me to say. Uh, the idea that you better be careful if you take a transfer because if you take one, you know, maybe put something in play where it says if they don't graduate, we pop you double. Oh, I know, like that for APR points. Um, you know, don't don't take a transfer on a whim, right? This needs to be well thought out. This needs to be you are fully committed to getting this kid through and done because especially if you go you know from a four-year to another four-year with if you can't go to another four-year without graduating you know there's there without a waiver right there, yeah, yeah. there there has to be um you know some very specific uh um language in that in that waiver process and so yeah you could you could end up like really hosing a kid if you take them and then you're like ah they're not good enough you know whatever well fine you need to be you need to be double hit for that um, and so I think that's a lot of what they're discussing there. That's pushed it back to January. I, the fact that they're not ready for this is kind of crazy because it's like, yeah, you know, we've been talking about this for years. 
Like, how have you not thought about these things? You know? And it's yeah. Like, it's almost like, they, it's like they just started preparing for the exam like a couple of days ago. Yeah. It's like, yeah. What are you doing? We had all semester, man. They've been curled up in a quarter with their hands over their ears and their eyes closed saying like, we don't want to deal with this. We don't want to deal with this. We don't want to deal with this. No, no, we got to deal with this. Um, you know, and that's, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of that to the name, image and likeness stuff as well. Um, they've now done a, a good job of asking the right people. Um, you know, they're, they're dealing with companies like Open Doors um, and uh, Blake over there who are consulting with them on maybe the best way to go about a lot of this, uh, the best way to handle name, image, and likeness. But, you know, we're talking about what, 21, 22 season, I think is what. Yeah. 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 What the, what the, the thing is. So um, now when, when did we lose uh, college video games? Like five years ago now? I think it's more like seven or eight now, but yeah. Yeah. Roughly. Here we are seven, eight years later going, Oh no. Like, we don't know how to handle this, you know, it's. Well, uh, and the, the funny thing is like, that's the big reason why like most, I think average college fans even care about this issue. Like, I mean, people will say like, well, you know, my quarterback could get the sponsor from this and that's like, you don't care about that, man. You no. just want the game. Yeah. But the kind of ironic thing is, is with the way it's currently trending, the game wouldn't even be able to come back with these new rules anyways, because it gets too complicated with the, sponsorship stuff it has to be independent from the universities right yeah i don't know how you make that work unfortunately yeah there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff um that that they're kind of sifting through now so let's take the video game for example so you know the ncaa is going to try and set a market in in all these different aspects whether it be doing an advertisement for a car company or whatever. And, and of course they're doing this to try and, and uh, eliminate the idea that somebody can come in and say, okay, you know, Steve, the quarterback, I'm going to give you a hundred thousand dollars to shoot one commercial for us. Wink, you know, um, they, they're trying, they're trying to prevent that. And so, you know, they're talking about setting market prices and, and all that sort of thing, which gets complicated because, you know, uh, the, the, the market value for, um, you know, the starting point guard at Duke is very different than the market value for the starting point guard at NC central, right? Absolutely. They're five minutes away from each other and they're not close. So it's, you know, what is, how, how do you put, how do you put a cap on the Duke guy when, you know, the, the, you're, you're apples to oranges here. Right. Um, so, and should you even put a cap on it? Like, it, I mean, yeah. that's a question. Obviously, you know, without it, some guy, it could get pretty chaotic. But I think there probably is an argument that, well, if they can earn that much, then like, why, why would we stop? Yeah, free market's free it? market, man, yeah. regardless of what the, the intentions of it are. Um, and, and, you know, then that people start freaking out and they go, oh, it's professional sports. And, you know, I think, I think at the end of the day, when you really look at it, like the number of people that will command those kinds of dollars so to small. have that kind of impact, it's, it's so incredibly small. Um, for most of these kids, the benefit to them is actually being associated with the school brand, not the other way around. Right. Oh like yeah, absolutely. You know, so, um, so them setting, setting a, a market there, um, but, and then like the video game stuff, like you would have to, because now you can't do the schools, right? Like you can, the, the school would have its own separate contract for the game just to have their own branding and, and things in it. But the players, you have to handle them individually. Well, what does that look like? You know, is there a collective? Is there some sort of player union that handles that for them? Is there opt-in, opt-out situations? Um, but for the players though, I think that, that, you know, just to speak specifically on the video game, because I know probably 80% of the people that are listening to this um, want to know the, the idea that a player would opt out. I, I, there's not going to be very many because if I'm the starting quarterback at Oklahoma, do I have some, some value in like getting paid by EA sports to like be in the game? Sure. But if they're really smart about it, I'm not worried about that check. I'm the starting quarterback in Oklahoma and I'm going to have a pay Twitch account. And on a Saturday night when I'm sitting there playing as myself in this video game on Twitch, 
and I'm making money off of that, that's where the check is. Oh man, and I never even thought about it in that terms. And that's like in today's world. For sure. I mean, some of these kids could really cash in on that. Absolutely. I mean, you think about the number of knuckleheads that are out there just like running random Twitch accounts, playing video games and stuff that nobody knows who they are other than in the context of playing the video game. And they're making money because they're good and they have personalities just like a radio personality or something like that. But as a player, you come in immediately with that cachet of being a player. And now as a fan, they get to watch you in an element that isn't with a helmet on. And get to to almost have like more of a, a personal connection to you, personal viewing experience of, of you know whether it be your YouTube channel, your Twitch channel, your whatever. And fans are willing to pay for that. College sports fans are nutcases, right? Oh, like they'll for pay sure. for they'll pay for lots of things. And so if I'm a player, like count me in, because then I can use that to my advantage. I love that idea so much. This is that like. I would watch Vic, I would watch Tua play with Alabama right now. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, my my internal thought as a media guy is that is every media relations guy's absolute worst nightmare. The minute they hear something like that, just thinking about trying to police these kids saying oh something dumb on the mic, accidentally yeah. like letting go what a coach said in practice or something. Yeah. Oh, it would be incredible because now, you know, the guys aren't doing it because there's nothing, there's no benefit to them. Right. Like there's a few guys that just go out and do stuff for kicks and grins, but because they can't monetize on it, they got other stuff to do. Yeah. So, you know, that'll be interesting when this all happens. And then, and then all of a sudden your coach says, you know, Hey, by the way, uh, I know it's an NCAA rule, but it is a team rule that you can't do X, Y, and Z. Well, guess what? Like name, image, and likeness just became a recruiting tool. Because if I'm the head coach of Colorado State and I say, hey, guys, I know by, by rule we're not legally allowed to do this stuff for you. However, we, we will fully support you in every legal way that is allowed for you to cash in on your name, image, and likeness. When you're done with practice, there's a green screen over there. Go do your thing. Like have your buddy start recording your interview post-practice, whatever, throw that up on your YouTube channel, monetize off of that, um, you know, whatever. Uh, that's now a recruiting tool where somebody that has some market value or even thinks they have some market value says, well, this school over here just wants me to, you know, hand in my cell phone and shut up and, and you know, not all we, not me, whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe I want to go over to the school over here that's going to let me make a few bucks off of my name, image, and likeness because I feel like I have some market value. Like that's going to get that's going to get weird too. And on top of that, you're giving them their own platform and and you know like letting them brand themselves and create that whole image. And I mean that matters. Like we see it even with social media. Like I got to imagine the coaches that are you know, young and hip on social media are totally using that when they're in recruiting meetings, just trying to throw shade at some of the older, you know, we get it. And I'm sure a lot of it comes off as like the, you know, hello, fellow young kids type deal. Right. But at the same time, like if I'm a recruit and I'm seeing like, oh, this guy, like he, he's a dork, but he's going to let me do my thing and just be me. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it, it's going to be, it's going to be so much more of a recruiting tool than I think people realize because th there's going to be so many players that don't actually have that much of a market value, if any. Right. But coming into it, everybody thinks they do. And, and so um, the schools that get behind the idea that these are now very much individuals with unique personalities that, um, you know, they themselves see themselves as a brand, um, especially at the highest level, um, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, see themselves as a brand uh, if you support it, you're probably going to have some advantage. If you say, I don't like this and, you know, I want it to be back in the way that it was. And you guys just, you know, stay off the, the darn internets. Uh, yeah, that's, that's probably going to hurt you. Let me tell you about our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. Breckenridge is, of course, the official beer of DNVR. Right now, they need our help to keep the farmhouse kicking during this time. If you order a meal or beer from the farmhouse, use the code DNVR, save $5 off. Nice, super clutch. All you got to do, call 303-803-1380 from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. for your pickup order. 
They'll even bring it right out to your car for you. If you're like me, you're in Fort Collins, you can't really get down to the metro area right now. We're all in lockdown. That's okay, because I can still order some Breck beers directly to my house through the Drizzly app. Super clutch, beer right to my door. This is the future, people. This is the future. The 15-can sampler is the best bet for variety. Get a little bit of Avalanche Ale, maybe some Strawberry Sky, Vanilla Porter, whatever your fancy is, you'll have beer for everybody. That's the nice thing about Breck. They have just such a beautiful variety. Finally, if you want to get out of your house, you want to go support a local liquor store, you just want to get in there for a second, you can use the Breck Beer Locator to find the closest liquor store near you. It'll tell you exactly where it is, uh, where you can find all those delicious Breck brews, the nectar of the gods, if you will. Shout out to Breck. We love those guys. I'm curious. Um, this is kind of something I like to ask people that are that are heavily involved in college basketball when I get to bring them on. And what do you view right now as like the biggest thing in college basketball that needs to change? What is one, and it could be really simple, but just something that is, seems like really common sense to you. And I'm sure there's plenty because you and I have had plenty of conversations about the dumb things NCAA does, but you know, what's an easy fix that the, that they could do to improve college basketball? Man. Um, and I put him on the spot just so the audience knows. I didn't, I didn't allow him to prepare for this. Which was right, right, right. Oh, so many things to choose from. Which one? Um, you know, I think, I, I think there is a, uh, I think there is, there is way too much, um, uh, not, not way too uh, way too many rules, way too many restrictions on the idea that when you are coming in as a student uh, that is transferring from either another school, um, another um, a junior college, something like that, so many of these kids when they when they transfer in their credits. And I know that this isn't going to make a lot of sense to, or at least it's not going to seem like that big of a deal to a lot of listeners. So I apologize for boring you, but this is something that's so important to players where if you transfer in, whether it be from a junior college or another place to Colorado state, for example, uh, and you were a business student at your previous school, there's a good chance you're not a business student when you leave Colorado state. And it's because there are these restrictions on how many credits that have to transfer in, um, Per the NCAA, you know, one year it's 24, then 48, mm-hmm. then 72, and whatever. So it's hard to get that many credits to transfer into the business program because the business program wants to make their money. And so they don't allow very many credits to transfer in. So now all of a sudden these kids have to turn into, you know, general studies majors um, and, and things like that. And so all of a sudden, because a kid transfers, whether it be from a JUCO or another school, their degree plans get blown out of the water. Um, I wish there was, there was less restriction from the NCAA on how many credits you have to transfer in with some caveats to it. You know, you can't just like be a crap student that didn't take anything and whatever, but um, you know, allowing, let's say I'm, I'm a student that is definitely going to not be a pro and you know, all that kind of thing. And like education is definitely a big piece let me come in with less credits to the business program to something, you know, um, that is actually a little bit more meaningful from an education standpoint. And if that, that means that, um, the, the school says, okay, well then, you know, your fifth year that it's going to take you to graduate because you just didn't have enough stuff coming in. Like we'll pay for that. Yeah. Like puts, put some more onus on these schools to like getting these kids real degrees rather than rushing them through and putting them in the easiest stuff possible and and then just kicking them out the door with something that you know is is literally just a piece of paper at that point um you know it's it sucks because we deal with so many junior college kids and and so many of them it's like yeah i want to do business and the school's like yeah no we can't do that like you're going to be a general studies major it's like well why would you and no i'm i'm not trying to take any shots at anybody that's a general studies major or anything no, like for that for sure school is what you make of it but but it's you not know, really like, a choice for the player. Like they're being told yeah. they have to do it. You know, if that you want to be a general studies sense. major, go nuts. But yeah, you know, these are for the kids that don't want to, that want to do something specific. Well, especially like if you have like a, a specific plan, you know, like business or, you know, maybe they wanted to go into education or like something like that. Like, why would you not encourage these unique fields? One, 
that's actually going to make the NCAA look good since they're always right. trying to prop themselves up for caring about student athletes and, yep. you know, wanting to emphasize the student aspect. But then, you know, like you're pointing out, everything they do kind of like contradicts that behind the scene. Right. Yeah. It, it You end up being a player that comes in and says, cool, I'm going to give you now one, two, three years of my life to your program, uh, you know, to your fan base, all that kind of thing. Um, and like, unless you're one of these guys that now someday is going to be able to cash in on their name, image and likeness or whatever, uh, you know, the biggest thing that you're getting out of this agreement is your degree. And, but now you're like telling me that I can't like actually get a degree in the thing that I have been working on because of like a numbers game. That sucks. Oh, the, uh, I mean, we could get into a whole philosophical you know, thing here with the issues in higher education and all of that <laughs> stuff with how it becomes very political and all that. But that's just so discouraging, you know, especially when you hear all the time, like, we care about the student athletes, students first, we want them to get an education, but actually, like, just take as many easy classes as you can, go to For class, sure. shut up, you know, don't speak out. <laughs> There was a there was a player, um, and I, I don't want to put his business out there, so I'm not going to say his name. But w- was a player that uh, <clears throat> um, most of these listeners would would know the name uh, had transferred, and he had taken a a ton of business classes and and really focused on that. And when he went to transfer, um, the best thing that he could end up getting into was like a, it was an economics degree, and it was just a numbers game. It was, you didn't have enough credits. And what was crazy is, is that the school that he went to wouldn't take credits from the previous like four-year institution. It wasn't, it wasn't just some like BS classes or something. It was like real legitimate classes, but the, the, those business schools don't like to share, you know, engineering schools don't like to share. They want, they want you to take their stuff. They don't want to accept the education from someplace else. And so, um, you know, it ended up working out for the guy and, and, and he got, something good and, and, you know, did some uh, grad things and all that as well. But like, you shouldn't have had to make that decision, you know, especially when you're, when you're taking real legitimate, like no crap classes from, you know, a a fantastic institution. But it was, and, and if, if he, if he was able to just go in with whatever they would accept and then play and then finish. And then if he still needed more classes that the NCAA says, Hey, you know, school that's accepting the transfer. Cause again, we got to put more emphasis and, and onus on the schools that are accepting the transfers. You are committing to getting this kid finished financially. Um, you know, I, I wish they, they, they need to do that. Uh, then great. He gets to finish his business degree. He goes as just a regular student for his last year to finish off his degree. Kid's not going to play pro. He's not going to the NBA. He's not, you know, even going overseas. Like this is the education was the most important part. But it was, hey, if you want to keep playing basketball and getting a free education, you got to change to something else that you don't actually want to do. So, going off of this a little bit, and this actually might have been a story you told me, but there was a CSU player, you know, graduated under the previous administration, but went and played some pro ball overseas and came back and basically realized, came to the realization, like, I have this degree. And I have no marketable skills. I don't know what to do with it. I don't have any resume experience. I didn't get taught any of that. For me, like, that's the one area I would love to see, you know, kind of going off of this, get student athletes in degrees that they want to pursue, that they're passionate about, that they're actually going to benefit from, and then teach them those skills to actually go out and use it. Because so many of these guys, you know, they're, they're in practices all the time. They do the tutor stuff but then they don't get any real like life skills other than, you know, how to deal with the media and all that stuff, all of those things, socializing, which is important, but they don't teach them, you know, how to be a normal human being, how to work in the everyday life. Yeah, no, I I remember who you're talking about. And um, it was something where it was, it was a very generalized degree. It was, you know, you're here to play basketball. Um, And uh, you know, when he finished, there's no, if, if you're actually focused on school now, there may be some that are just like, I don't care either way. So, yeah. you know, just the fact that they even have a degree or something is, I guess the, the benefit that they're going to play off of. But this was somebody that wanted to, to get into something when he was done playing. And unfortunately 
it should have been more of a scenario where like he was coming out into the workforce as a rel- just like a, a relatively new graduate right with some uh some skill set that he learned in in college and then you know life experience of being a pro um so if all things were equal let's say he and i got the same degree uh you know i got a marketing degree from colorado state and let's say he and i both got a marketing degree when i graduate and i'm going into the workforce new if he is finishing playing pro and coming into the workforce and has all this additional life experience and the same degree and things like that like he should probably have a little bit of a leg up on me yeah, you know, exactly. just for saying, hey, I've seen the world. I've, you know, managed this. I've, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, but it wasn't close, right? It was, I'm done playing pro. And in college, like, I didn't really get to do anything. You know, it was just focus on on hoops. And, you know, I was told this was the degree that I needed to go into, which was just to get a degree. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and yeah, so there was, there wasn't a ton of support there, um, you know, when he was in school. And so when he came out, like, he's like, I, you know, looked at the resume and it was just like, Oh God, you know, what do you do with this? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's pe- people always view the context of college sports in what they see on TV. Um, you know, and what ESPN talks about and, you know, these people say, oh, you know, these kids have it so great and, you know, this and that and the other thing. And like, yeah, for sure. You know, if you're playing at Duke or Kentucky or North Carolina and, you know, stuff like that, pretty you're, you're, yeah, you're off on, you're off on a different world, right? Like if you, if you were a, a stud at one of those places, you're, you're not going to want for much even later in life because you're always going to be able to play off of that. That's not the case for 99% of student athletes, even in basketball and football, you know, there's there's real life things that need to come out of it. And um, yeah, I just wish there was more support probably from the NCAA in not only the preparation while you're in school, but then when you're done and uh, you know, the sport that the support that's there, I, I'm sure there are some resources and things out there if you really want to dive into it, but it's uh, it's not something that's just like prevalent on the surface as far as like here, these, these are the programs, these are the situations and here are the, here's the legislation more importantly that we're going to put into place to, you know, really, really make sure that you're taken care of while you're putting your your body on the line every day. Exactly. Like, I'm sure there, like you said, I'm sure there are programs or, you know, whatever, but it seems to me, having been around a lot of these guys, it's more like on the student athlete to, you know, be like, I'm going to go above and beyond and I'm going to reach out to all these people and I'm going to take it upon myself to really do this. And yeah, there should be some self-accountability there. But, you know, the, the likelihood is if they've been focusing on sports, even in high school, you know, they, they probably just don't even have that skill set yet. Like you got to, yeah. you know, guide them along a little bit, teach them how to do this stuff. Yeah. I mean, the, there's, there's spent an entire life of being told what to do. Yeah. You know, on the court, off the court, where you have to be when practice and all that kind of thing. And, and then all of a sudden, everybody's like, why don't they just do it on their own? It's like, well, you know, come on. <laughs> It's it, we got to be we got to be realists about you know what what has been expected of them like the 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 focus has always been on um, you know their craft and and their ability to play and you know what that's going to equal for them um, and being directed by some sort of authority figure and then all of a sudden when they're not playing anymore you know it's like oh well you should probably just figure it out well and Jeez. I think it kind of goes back to what you said with a lot of fans even of college sports. I just think they're, it comes to the, like, they see them on the court the you know, they get the free gear or whatever. And, you know, they think like their life's so great. Like, why should we have, to, why should they have to get spoon fed everything? You know, like I, I'm not, I had to work hard. It's just a general, you know, misunderstanding of what a lot of these student athletes are going through on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, we did a, a show today with, um, with Isaiah Roby and we talked about, uh, the the work that goes into being a student athlete, especially at like the Big Ten level, uh, which honestly, even at the Mountain West level, and then even on down, like the amount of work is is really the same if you want to be successful. And uh, we were talking about Drew Cuxhausen, who was a kid that played at McNeese this year. And uh, he was the number one shooter in the country this year. He was a junior college kid. And he puts up 500 to 1,000 shots a day. Incredible. Right? So, so to... to to really hone in on your craft. Now, if he doesn't do that, maybe he's not as good, which means then maybe he's not wanted by, you know, XYZ school or whatever. So he's got to do that to, to play at that level, to, to be successful. 
um, when you're putting up that, when you're putting in that kind of work and all the weights and, you know, all that other stuff, like you need some help, man. Like you need, you need some resources where, uh, you're getting some direction that has to do with things that are, that are not basketball related so that someday when he's not taking jump shots for a living, um, you know, that, that there was some foundation there to build off of. WGT Golf is not only the most popular golf game in the world, it's also the official gaming partner of DNVR. You can download WGT and join the DNVR Clubhouse by going to dnvrgolf.com. Play WGT Golf from the comfort of your couch or anywhere on the go. It's such a convenient app, so much fun. It's incredible graphics. I mean, for a phone game, this is amazing. I remember playing you know, mobile games on my phone four or five years ago. They were absolutely awful. This is the complete opposite. It's so dynamic. You have so much control. But then again, you know, it's not so overwhelmingly difficult that you can't, you know, pick it up quickly. That's the other thing. You know, I want a phone game to be fun, but I don't want it to be so challenging that it's, you know, I have to sit there and work and work and work. It's not like a console game. It's a blast. There are tournaments. You can match up against your friends. It's just a great experience. Check out WGT Golf by going to dnvrgolf.com. You know, bringing things back to Colorado State here, that's one of the things that I like about what Nico Medved and his staff kind of emphasize. And I'm sure some of it is, you know, strategic from like a PR standpoint, just being realistic, but that, you know, they seem very genuine when they preach basketball is what you do. It's not who you are. And I just wish, you know, more coaches would be cognizant of that and understand, you know, like, yes, this is the highest level. Yes, basketball matters. But, you know, if we focus 50 hours instead of 60 hours, it's yeah. probably going to be okay. Yeah. There's, there's a, anybody that ever gets the opportunity to go watch uh, Nico run a practice should do it. Their practices are open. Oh, it's great. Um, he, uh, he is very much a, um, like he does, it's, it's not BS when he's talking about family. Right. And, no, it's not. And you can see it. Like, yeah, I've been around bad coaches. I've been around okay coaches. I've been around coaches where it's like, yeah, you know, they're good in certain situations, but you can tell like when they're putting it on. Yeah. Medved in two years, you know, and the assistants, very, very genuine in the way that they care for these players. Yeah. There's not, there's not one thing that they say or do in a day that doesn't have genuine meaning behind it. Uh, that's for the whole staff, the, the entire staff. Um, it, at this point, there's not a lot of, staffs in, in basketball that we don't pretty well know everybody. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited that, you know, the school that I'm an alumni of has a staff, the entire staff from top to bottom, uh, from head coach on down to your GAs is genuine and has, you know, that family atmosphere and feel to it. And, and there, it doesn't mean that every player is going to be successful because of no, that. Cause that's right? not realistic. No, no, there's, but every opportunity is given. You know, um, I can't say that with every school and every staff. Uh, sometimes there just aren't opportunity uh, opportunities, and um, there's not always genuineness behind it. But I think in you know, in in with this staff, like if you put in the work, and you know, um, you do have to be a certain caliber of, of player. I mean, this is this is big time basketball, right? Like, um, but if you if you put in that work and have that character and things like that, every opportunity will be given to you, and um, they're, they're producing a family atmosphere that, um, you know, is, is going to take this, this team and this program and those coaches a long ways. I mean, there's, there's head coaches in waiting on that staff. Oh, absolutely. Right? Guys that will, that will hundred percent be head coaches someday. Um, there are future, uh, pros, there are future coaches, there are future, you know, whatever's on the team now, right? Like there's, there's, and this staff is going to support those decisions and support those, those life journeys, regardless of what they are, because, um, you know, guys like Thor and Ollie and, 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 um, Blount and, uh, uh, they, they're going to have relationships with these players forever. And, and that's, that's a, that's a exciting thing to see because that's, that's so important when it comes to the future of the program. You know, looking at this at this staff, they've obviously done a really good job overhauling the roster and and finding players that not only are talented but like actually fit together. 
And because of that, you know, I'm pretty intrigued about the potential that they have going into this next season. You know, from your perspective, how impressive was it that they were able to, you know, build this roster so quickly? And, you know, do you view CSU as a legitimate threat in the Mountain West moving forward? Yeah, I think I think people that don't have as big, uh, broad of a picture of of college basketball at the D1 level as a whole, um, fans always have unreasonable expectations, right? The expectations uh, from a lot of fans were that the second that Nico hit the ground, well, what have you got? You know, you're, you're gonna you flip this thing around. Okay, ready to go. Um, the idea that somebody would be winning 20 games that fast, that doesn't happen very often. And not only does it not happen very often, it doesn't happen very often when you don't just like transfer the holy heck out of it. Right. Yeah, like and, go get a bunch of former P5 guys and Jimco yeah. guys that are ready especially right at this now. level. And, yeah. You know, it's it's definitely um, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's easier, I would say, at, at the low major level where you you can bring in there's there's like such a wider breadth of players that could transfer in, let's say, and be impactful. When you're playing in the Mountain West, there's not a lot of transfers that can come in and and be impactful right away. So, you know, he took it more from the standpoint of, you know, yeah, there's some transfer stuff that happens and, you know, fit some roles and bits and pieces here and there just because you kind of have to do that in modern basketball. But he went out and found guys that fit. Um, He found guys that uh, character wise and, and, you know, we're going to be buying in and, um, you know, went to some really unique routes to, to get them too. like, you know, when you're talking about going down to Texas and pulling up Isaiah Stevens, and then you head up to Minnesota and you utilize those relationships that both Nico and Thor had to, to land David Roddy, who's out there, you know, knocking people's heads off on a football field. And you're thinking like, okay, well, this guy's like six, five and, you know, 200 and at the time 30 pounds or whatever. Like, how does that really translate to the mountain West? Um, and they just kind of knew like he would figure it out, right? Like that's a guy that that's just, he plays hard and he fits what we do and he's a culture guy and he's going to buy in and, um, you know, all that kind of thing. Like even guys like Deshaun Thomas, who, if I'm being honest, like I wasn't very high on coming out of high school. Like I had seen him play and I wasn't sure if he was going to fit, but they kind of figured that out and he knew coming in like what his role was and and he's still got a lot a long ways to go but he's he's developing faster than i think um even they expected him to um to to being that that you know piece that can really help hold down the paint and and stuff like that and then you go out and you get um a guy like james and and i saw james play in the asian pacific championships um and it, before he had committed to CSU. And I, I remembered him and, and thinking like, gosh, you know, this kid does this and he does that and he's skilled and, you know, holy cow, he's skinny though. Uh, and, and all this other stuff. And then all of a sudden they said they, they were bringing him in and, you know, they were going to redshirt him and, and all this. And it was like, oh yeah, like that's, that's a, that's a long play that people are going to want, you know, when he's, a sophomore junior and he's out there just, you know, killing it. People are going, Oh my gosh, what was, you know, what was, how did this happen? Well, it happened like two years before he even got here. Right. And, you know, mm-hmm. that was, that was kind of this long play plan. And so, so rather than be, um, you know, a, a gap stop, you know, every year refilling the roster with, um, you know, with these random pieces that come together, uh, you know, he's, he's taking it more, um, uh, I, I guess uh, like the 10 miles approach, right? Like build, uh, you know, from the ground up and build a foundation and things. And and that's not to say that obviously we didn't have unbelievable players that came through during Eustachie's career even, but you know, he was always known for being a transfer and Juco guy. It was just different. And there yeah. Was, yeah. There was, there was successes with that. There were failures with that. Um, you know, some of the, the, the best people to ever come through the arena came through under him that came from other spots, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, this is this is a different approach to it, and then there will still be going forward some of those fill pieces, the transfers, uh, you know, a JUCO guy here and there, um, things like that. That, but it's but it's putting another brick in the foundation as opposed to building a whole new foundation. So you know, we'll wrap it up here. Um, I, I'm pretty intrigued about this CSU team going into 21, 2020, into twenty twenty one. But yep. 21, 22, I think, is really where they're going to be really dangerous. I mean, you would have, uh, assuming that everybody, you know, sticks around and all that, 
Adam and Kendall as seniors, you know, Roddy and them as juniors at that point. Um, You know, I think that's probably a NCAA tournament team. But going into this next season, who around the Mountain West excites you? Like, obviously, San Diego State is still going to be pretty good. But, you know, you lose Malachi Flynn. I actually think Wyoming deceptively is going to be really good. Yeah, Wyoming Wyoming has very quickly thrown together a, a top 50 class. Um, now fans don't think that that means CSU is not doing their job because they didn't have to recruit that many guys this year. And that's just get, Those rankings are, are skewed to, you know, exactly. who you fill and whatever, but, um, they, they've put together a top 50 class. They've brought in, uh, some real heavy hitters from junior college. Uh, they've brought in some great transfers. Um, you know, they've got some good high school kids. I mean, that, that, that staff is, is fantastic. Jeff Linder does an unbelievable job. Um, Sean Vandiver, who was left over from the previous staff is, one of the finest people in basketball that I know, um, Ken DeWeese coming over there. And, and so they've, they, he put, he put together and kept a, a great staff and then, and then put this team together. They're going to be tough. And I'm actually really, really excited uh, going forward for these battles between CSU and Wyoming, because now like there's, en- there's going to be some more energy behind both of these programs as, as CSU has been building. Wyoming is now going to light that fire. Lender does a great job with that. Um, you know, like you mentioned, San Diego State there with, with Malachi, they, they're trying to replace that with a uh, with a transfer who's very good, but um, the success rate of of transfers transferring up is is typically not uh, very high. So um, there is an opportunity here. This is something else to think about uh, for fans coming into the season because we didn't uh, Colorado State did not have to. Um, fill a ton of roster spots. You know, the the the, the main loss, of course, being uh, Nico, um, which is a huge, huge piece to try and replace. But they were kind of planning ahead, right? You know, yeah. with the James and Deshaun and, and all that. So, um, and, and the ability for some of these guys to switch around positions. I mean, they can, they, there's going to be some offensive looks that they're going to give this year that a lot of people aren't going to have seen before. And that's, that's going to be complicated for them. But right now, nobody can do anything, right? Like everybody is, is sitting at home, doing their Zoom calls, doing all that sort of stuff. And if I'm a team that has had to bring in a bunch of guys, even if they're high-level dudes, the loss of this summer is going to be so incredibly impactful on their preparation for the coming season. If I'm a team like Colorado State, where the majority of my players are back, they all know each other, they know the offense, they know the team culture, they know the expectations, they know all of these things. Colorado State's in as, as good of a position as anybody to be successful this coming year because you're coming off of a season where um, you had a hell of a turnaround with the guys that are almost all back. And you know what you should be doing this summer. You know what that offense looks like. Like when they hit day one, it's going to be getting back in shape, not learning the offense. That's a great point. And like, I mean, I think about how valuable last summer was, you know, for a lot of these guys we've been talking about, even the guys that redshirted, but you know, for David and Isaiah, especially if they would have lost that summer, probably wouldn't have been, you know, the competitive non-conference start that CSU had and which I I know they lost some winnable games in there, but they also won a lot of games that I don't think a lot of young teams would have been able to pull out. Yeah. Even with the preparation, right? Like if, if David and Isaiah had been sophomores, like we don't, they don't lose those games exactly. in, in non-conference play. So they're freshmen coming in, like they had a great summer, but they're still freshmen. And it's that, that preparation and that transition from high school to this level is, is crazy. Well, now, like whether you're a transfer or a freshman coming in, the, the loss of that summer, I mean, can you imagine like what Isaiah and, and, and David and Deshaun uh, and those guys would have had to deal with if their first like time around each other had been August. Oh, you know, and like, especially like, I mean, getting in playing shape is one thing, but just the continuity sake, like being a basketball team, so much about it is just like learning about each other and learning how to be around each other. And I mean, they're, yeah. they're 18, nine year, 19 year old kids, um, emotion and personality and relationships, all this kind of stuff. It plays a big factor. Right. Yeah. It's not, it's not really that anybody has like, there, nobody's like taking advantage of this quote opportunity, right? To be no, like, exactly. that's at home, yeah. but it's more who's better prepared. And if you're returning, you know, 
that many guys, like you're going to be better prepared because the ex- all those things we talked about are already in place. You know, the new guys are going to be playing catch up and all that kind of thing. But you know, every everything is everything is where it needs to be to immediately hit the ground running and be ready to go. And the new guys are going to be playing catch up, and it's going to take them a little while, and it's going to take them longer than normal because they don't have the summer. Well, those teams around the Mountain West that are counting on those new guys to be successful from day one. That's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard. Well, you heard it from Brandon. There is reason to be optimistic if you are a CSU fan. Reason to appreciate this staff and reason to be excited about these players. Brandon, thank you so much for taking the time and joining me, answering some of my questions. I'm always, I always just feel like a smarter college basketball fan after we interact because you're always just teaching me something new. So thank you, man. No, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves We are just some drops of water, together make up seven seas And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I want to be